This week on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, one-hit wonders of the 90s. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. So this week we're talking about music because we like clickbait. And if you mention a lot of bands, a lot of songs that people know, they click on them. Especially Gen Xers like us, who aren't used to the internet. These are all the songs that we liked, that your parents probably liked that you probably like because I'm really kidding myself if I think that millennials are listening to this show. But it's great music, it's awful music, it's fun music uh, from bands that didn't really do anything else that was better. Or did they? Because a lot of these bands actually did have other great music. They just didn't have music that got played on the radio. Um, We'll get into that more in the show. At any rate, We're glad you're listening, as always. Hoping that you will give us a five-star review on whatever you're listening to us on. We greatly appreciate it. We also like connecting with other podcasts. So if you're a podcaster and you're listening to us, let us know. We'll listen to your stuff. We'll give you a shout-out. You know, we'll all sort of commune in this world of podcastery. Uh, Anyway, let's get on with the craziness, shall we? Live from the studios in Burbank, California, it's the Magnificently Huge Podcast! Ironically, of the three states we're in, none of them are California, and therefore not Burbank. But oh well. Illusion is ruined. Thanks, Buzzkill Man. You're welcome. (laughs) Hi, I'm Buzzkill Man, otherwise known as Brian, and I'm in Arizona. Arizona! What's that song? Yeah. Uh, this is Chris. Uh, I'm in uh, I'm in Texas. If we're doing geography, and this is Eric. I'm in Portland, site of massive riots between fascists and anti-fascists. I was reading about those today. Hooray! Apparently, like none of the businesses would serve them or give them water or anything. People were giving them wrong directions when they're asking how to find their cars. <laughs> I mean, it was like partly just said, fuck you. We're Antifa, but in a really passive aggressive way and get the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. In the way that won't get people to say that you're part of a terrorist organization <laughs> yeah. for some bizarre reason. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, See, it, it used to be that, that being anti Nazi, anti fascist was so safe, all the video games were about it. But now you can't even be an anti fascist. Really? Yeah. Yeah, well, Chris and I are in, are in Arizona and Texas, so we don't have anti-fascists here. Well, no, you just have cowboys. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Weird, wild stuff. Weird, wild <laughs> stuff. I made too much Johnny Carson. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, we're old. Oh, no. We're old. Does anybody listen to the show even know what that's a reference to? Yeah, that's Good not Lord. even real can Johnny I? Carson. That's like a an imitation of an imitation of Johnny Carson. Oh. Can I tell you, this week at work, and I feel bad doing this because, you know, this, this person doesn't know any better, but I doubt she's ever going to hear this, but uh, it, it, an intern at work said this phrase, and I laughed my balls off. Um, hey, Detroit, isn't that place where they used to make all the cars like forever ago? 
<laughs> Which, yeah, it's true. Like, it's what? true. What? Yeah, but it's like, you don't... Yeah, yeah, that it. Why? Why don't you? Well, I'm a millennial. We have Teslas. Well, they're not made in Detroit <laughs> or something like that. And I was just like, yeah, but I'm some. Yeah, I'm a Gen Xer, yeah. and I know a lot of stuff that happened before I was born. You should. You should just tell her. No, in Detroit forever ago, Eminem started his career. Boom. Hi, my name is. I was going to say, okay. you want to understand the the car industry is a millennial. Go watch Eight Mile. Yeah, or just really blow their mind and you go. You know, uh, the label that Diana Ross used to sing for was called Motown, and she will yeah, go. Now What's a Diana really... Ross? Yeah. Oh, I under- that's kind of my point. Yeah, I recognized my oh. mistake. A joke about how people oh. don't get our references, but yeah. it's even worse than you think. Well, I recognized Welcome my mistake. Welcome to the crotchety yeah. old podcast, everybody. Yeah, no <laughs> show. Ah, fuck Jesus. it. Let's just do the goddamn show. Let's do the fresh okay. shit. This shit is fresh. Oh, shit. That is fresh. This stuff is really fresh. The fresh shit. Yay. This I is... thought you were going to drop that bomb, so I, I figured, okay, too. yeah, it's good. No, no, you no. Left, you left us hanging, yeah, Chris. that's what I do. Okay. It's funny. Chris, this week, I want you going first. Oh, I thank you. I decree that you must go fast. <laughs> I'm your, I'm your simplify. That's a super inside joke. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> this week, Kota, don't mean no math of me. <laughs> this week, I actually uh, binged the third season of Glow, which is on Netflix now. Oh yeah, and, yeah. Uh, still watching that. I've only a couple episodes in, but I was going to bring it up. Yeah, Go. it's it's good. I finished the whole thing because it's easy to do, and uh, I will say this. The third season will not win over any new fans, I don't believe, because it is really uh, gung-ho about embracing the darker aspects of all these characters. Uh, This is sort Hmm. of like uh, the first season was, hey, kids, let's put on a show. It was all about building towards just making that first pilot. Uh, The second one was all about getting through it, and then they were on a hopeful journey to Vegas at the end of that season. Now they're in Vegas doing the same show every night, and they're slowly losing their minds. And by <laughs> by the end of it, uh, they have fragmented. So the fraternity, sorority, whatever you want to call it, has pretty much uh, f- broken at the seams somewhat. So, and so the glow has faded? A little bit, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But but if you want to get more people watching, just tell them they get to see Allison Breeze Chechers and like for a long, long time. <laughs> just that one episode, but yeah. Uh, but she also directs one of the episodes and directs it very well. That was one of the strongest episodes uh, of the whole season, I thought. But it's funny. It's, so will the next season be called Afterglow? It, I would hope so. Or But they did okay. that with MASH and it didn't work. So I don't think so. Yeah, but nobody's ever heard of an aftermath. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. People who got Chris's Johnny Carson joke have heard of aftermath. Yeah. Other than that, not so it's much. Weird, wild stuff. Um, <laughs> but it's a good. It's a good season, and I don't know how far you're into it. Uh, but I'm only two episodes okay. in, so basically nowhere. Yeah, I got I, through the. I got through the like. Okay, here's where everybody is, and now everybody's really horny. Those are the two episodes I've seen. Yeah. I like the fact that the first episode, like the beginning, it basically starts with them pimping their premiere event at this big Vegas casino uh, <laughs> during the 
<laughs> the Challenger the shuttle explosion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought that was that was pretty pitch perfect for the whole tone of the entire season. I think it said it right there. Uh, yeah, so it's good. Uh, Mark Marin fairly underused this season for whatever reason, which is fine. Uh, but I do like how they explored Bash's uh, sort of private life a little bit more. And he mm-hmm. becomes a very sort of uh, alternately sympathetic and sad character. Pathetic. Oh, I've always thought that. Yeah. But I mean, they really go for the gusto on it. Uh, but the biggest character arc for the whole season, I think, belongs to Betty Gilpin as Debbie. Uh, she. Again. Yeah. Again. Okay. Yeah, she was the main, well, really the main arc in season two. Well, this one, yeah, she's she's the one that probably has the strongest shift in this season, and you'll see it by the end, but uh, she really becomes her own uh, individual, but it's not a very fun thing to watch because it's uh-huh. a very severe character overhaul to deal with the realities of the world that she's trying to make a career in. Um, yeah, well, she's working in Vegas. Yeah. She's gone through a divorce. She's not around her kid. Yeah, you know, and and so he's that's, yakking up her that's food. Definitely <laughs> yeah, which is never explored again. But whatever. Uh, and Ruth is pretty <laughs> much just <laughs> stuck in Ruthdom. Uh, she's the only one that is sort of never going to change. I don't think it's just a weird, a weird bag. But they're all really solid performances, and there are going to be some surprises. But it's a very strong season. If you watch Glow, you're going to like it because they expand on the characters. But if you're sort of just peripherally involved with the show and don't really care, this is not the season for you. Cause, so uh, what you're saying is if you if you haven't watched seasons one and two, don't start with season three. Go watch season yeah. one. And the beauty of Netflix okay. is that you can do that. It's not like years past before we had this capability where you came in to a buzzy season blockbuster doesn't right. have season one <laughs> yeah. on the shelves anymore so i'm gonna start you know from season two which is fine if the yeah. show is like yeah. a nightmare it's, it's not like so i've been uh, reading about this show the a team that's been kicking around it sounds kind of fun and then you know you're watching it for the first time in the fourth season and going what the f-? You o- know? only people who get chris's johnny carson reference will know what the a team is everybody knows oh. what the a team is come on <laughs> Yeah, wasn't that a movie? Yeah, with uh, Terry Crews in it or something. Terry Crews. Oh, Terry Crews. What I don't the know. Who hell? Played BA? Who played? I don't. Now I who's dropping really movie? bad references? I don't know who was in the AT movie. Neeson and uh, uh, the the Stars Born guy. Yeah, Bradley whose name Cooper. I never remember. Bradley, Bradley Cooper, Cooper was Face. Uh, you had Charlotte Copley from yeah, District yeah. Nine playing Murdoch, and then okay, wait a minute. I'm pathetic? Wait, you know this. <laughs> I've seen yeah, the movie. Yeah, we saw it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're current. We're hip. Yeah. We've uh, seen new movies. But the... <laughs> but BA was... I'm, I'm catfishing you. <laughs> but the A-Team is by no means a new movie. But BA was played by some, like, MMA guy, some UFC yeah. fighter. Oh, okay. Uh, Quentin Jackson I just assumed it was Terry Crews somehow. <laughs> they should have gotten uh, Terry Crews for that. Yeah. Let's just assume that, that every large man of color will be Terry Crews in something. How's that? I think it's I think it's just worth noting that Liam Neeson and Bradley Cooper still want to do a sequel. They still believe in that franchise. Oh, uh, Liam Neeson and Bradley Cooper funny? will do any movie though, especially <laughs> Liam Neeson. Uh, but he has a very special set of skills. 
<laughs> not for saving that movie. I'll just say that. Okay. Yeah, it was not good. They so, they flew a goddamn tank. I'm just gonna say that. So if you if you see anything in that movie, just go to that portion uh, where they How fly did a we tank. Get here, why are we talking about the A team? <laughs> Glow, <laughs> yeah, Glow season Come three. Pimble, I don't like fly. <laughs> Too much jibba jabba. Not enough chop chop. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, watch season three glow. Let me know how you feel when you're done, because uh, it's it's definitely the uh, the Empire Strikes Back ending uh, that they went after. Oh, so so they can't so they can't like just walk away at the end. Of, like season, Stranger Things, they could have ended on the last season if they wanted. Oh no, to, no, they didn't give themselves an out on glow. No, this one is totally it's totally set up for a fourth season that may or may not have oh, been okay. approved already. So for all we know, Netflix will axe them. And this will be it. And you'd be like, Come I get on. the feeling that this is the kind of comedy for people who really like Handmaid's Tale. It's like I'm watching this this <laughs> yeah. horrible drama about like 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 oppressed women. I need something lighter. I'm going to watch this lighthearted comedy about oppressed women. Yeah, basically <laughs> uh, with Gina Davis. Well, and it not only does it. Yeah. Oh, Gina Davis. I forgot. Yeah, she's yeah. really good in this and she doesn't show up a lot. Uh, and then in one episode, Elizabeth Perkins comes back as Bash's mom, Birdie, and she oh. is fucking incredible. Oh my god, she was what I. Every time she's on screen in the show, it's just I. I don't want to stop. I just want her to keep yeah. playing that role. She's so I miss good. Her. At it. Yeah, so very strong all around the ball. Uh, but let me know when you're done. You want to if you if anybody out there wants a really great Elizabeth Perkins role, there's a movie called Big about a woman who sleeps with a child in a man's body. <laughs> yes, and which then, only people who know who Johnny Carson are have yeah. seen. Well, oh, if you know oh. if you know Tom Hanks, <laughs> it's weird, wild stuff. <laughs> Why is that so funny? I don't know. Why? But I concede the floor to whoever's next, and I assume it's Brian. Oh, shit. That'd be Brian, yes. Okay. So, um, let's see. I got two movies this week. Only um, two? Okay. Yeah, and I'm I'm somewhat highbrow-ish this week, maybe. Uh-oh. Maybe. Uh-oh. Uh, I went and saw The Farewell. Do you know what The Farewell is? I've never heard of this. I've heard the title. I don't know what it's about. So, The Farewell is... Largely subtitled, it's in Chinese. It's a Chinese. It's a very Chinese movie. Um, there are a couple characters who speak English, but that's the rarity. Um, it stars Aquafina as this um, this woman who uh, whose parents moved to New York from Ch- from Beijing, I believe, and um, her grandmother back in China is diagnosed with terminal cancer and is going to die really soon. And apparently, the deal in China is that when someone is about to die, it's not their problem. It's everybody else's burden, and they just want to make that person comfortable. So they don't tell the person who's about to die that they're about to die. Because why stress them out? That was the thing uh, in this country as recently as the 20s and 30s. Yeah, so this is a this is a movie about how they stage a wedding as an excuse to get everybody to go to Beijing to see the matriarch one last time. So it's, and this is like about crazy sick Asians. 
Yeah, it sounds hilarious. Yes. <laughs> okay. It's not hilarious at all. Um, well, then they did it wrong. This sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's about the culture shock, and it's about um, this character sort of yeah. trying to get back to her Chinese roots, I guess. And uh, it's good. It's, you know, it, it's kind of got one point, and it makes it a lot, which is sort of, you know, uh, everything we do, we do you know, for the greater whole and not for the individual. So it's this very Chinese message. Is that what and they call their mothers? The greater whole? <laughs> Jesus. Sorry. That was that so, so, like, just, just waiting for it. And I you're to getting use it. on me for doing Johnny Carson impressions. <laughs> Holy crap. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think what's interesting about this movie is that pretty much anything any character says to another character is a lie like the whole movie the dialogue is not what they mean and and if you're paying attention you you can tell but it's very cleverly written in that way where if you just read the words on the page it wouldn't make any sense so is it it's, it's all in the performance is it supposed to be a drama a comedy a drama oh yeah it's a drama okay no it's a drama okay right up gotcha it it was the best movie going in theaters um, and then I also went and saw, and this was an Alamo Drafthouse special screening thing, um, the Beastie Boys movie called Awesome, I Fucking Shot That. Oh, I was reading, I was <laughs> reading about that. How was it? It was, it was a Beastie Boys concert. Yeah. Um, they handed cameras to like 80 people in the crowd, and they're just like, okay, here you go. Uh, the only rule is... Have a good time and never turn the camera off. So if you're in the pit and the camera's going all over the place, that's fine. If you're banging your head and the camera's going all over the place, we don't care. Just keep rolling. So there's like, it's just this like tremendous amount of editing that had to be done. Uh, but it's a Beastie Boys concert in Madison Square Garden. The best, the best uh, result of that strategy, because I mean, imagine what you've got is basically 80 different angles of like shitty resolution shaky cam. For the entire concert, um, but uh, when they come out in the middle of their show and they're playing all of the like psychedelic jazz music on the instruments, yeah, uh, one of the people with a camera is like, "Cool, I'm gonna go take a piss," and they follow this person all the way to the men's room. <laughs> does you the music see them pissing in the toilet? Does you the music the like flushing. fade out? Yeah, the music's like yes, yes. It's yeah. like distant in the back. It's hilarious. <laughs> That's my favorite shot in uh, Goodfellas. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> walk, never mind. So do they? So, yeah. Do they? Uh, do they end it with sabotage? I'm gonna guess. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So this this is uh, the to the five boroughs tour. This was shot about a month before George W. Bush was reelected. Okay. And they were definitely hoping he wouldn't be. Um, they dedicated sabotage to to W. Nice. Um. Yeah, solid Beastie Boys set. They play all the good stuff. The audience sings the entire first verse of Paul Revere without the Beasties having to do anything. As you have to do. I 
think I've yeah, mentioned this before. I, I, the last time yeah. I saw them, and this was good lord, way back in the 90s. But yeah, that's that's the thing. Once you hear the opening bars of Paul Revere, you know what you're doing. You're singing, you're singing Paul Revere, and they're not going to do a thing on stage. They're just going to watch. Nobody wanders in off the yep. streets into a B-Boy show. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> they had uh, one song where Dougie Fresh did Human Beatbox as their backing track. I mean, Mixmaster Mike um is awesome as always they've got their keyboard guy who comes out with the band at one point he basically has nothing to do so they hold one chord but he's doing handstands on the keyboard on the roads <laughs> holding this chord down as one pretty does. awesome as one does you know cool yeah yeah I'd, good stuff i'd read about that in the in the book that you gave me for christmas their uh their look back at their career and there's a little bit on that one so now i i gotta go find it i guess the other fun thing was it's at Alamo, so of course they've got the 30 minutes before the show, and they were pulling all kinds of old school hip hop. So like, you got to see the the video for the Fat Boys All You Can Eat, oh, which is Lord. the Fat Boys at a Sabaro. And of course, uh, Jam On It by Nucleus, uh, which, you know, which, wiki, yeah. wiki, 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 yeah, just shut up. We'll just drop that, yeah. That's what I got. Eric, I, turn. You know what? I only had two things, and one of them was Glow, so this is going to be easy. G-L-O-W. The other is, yeah, I've, I've been, I've been uh, really obsessed with my sleep tracking so this week my fresh shit is the app pillow which is really <laughs> really neat it's it's this app you put on your phone i think it's supposed to be for the iWatch, but i don't have one so you you put it on your phone you turn it on you stick it on your bed next to you and it measures how much you're moving it listens to you know Mm-hmm. To hear if you're grunting or whatever and it can tell when you're in light sleep or deep sleep or REM sleep and it tells you how many hours you got as opposed to how many hours you were in bed you can connect it to a Fitbit so that it'll tell you okay you did this much exercise today and you ended up with this much sleep this is what happened um, and it's really it's really cool because you get these quick little recordings. I've been going through them trying to find anything bizarre I say in my sleep. For the show. <laughs> As yet, I haven't found anything. You, you do realize, Eric, that this is exactly how Skynet will start. Yes. So thank you yes. for that. See, I that's the thing. Ever since I got an iPhone, I've given up. I've just been like, fuck it. I don't care. I do <laughs> not care anymore. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I best. am considering getting an iWatch just so I can record my sleep more. Yeah. I have the so um, I'll recommend I I have a I have an Apple Watch. My wife has um the Fitbit. I think it's the Fitbit Versa. I don't know. It's the one mm-hmm. that's kind of like an Apple Watch. Yeah. I would recommend that. It's like a hundred hundred fifty dollars cheaper, and all of the main things you want an Apple Watch to do, it does. Plus, the battery lasts like way longer, and you can actually wear it while you're sleeping, uh. which you can't with the Apple Watch. So yeah, my wife does the sleep tracking. Why can't with you a wear Fitbit. the Apple Watch while you're sleeping? Because the battery has to charge sometime. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I mean, the Fitbits charge for like days on end. Yeah. Apple Watch, you pretty much have to charge every 24 hours. Well, now, I have a Gen 1 Apple Watch. Maybe the new ones are better. I don't know. That's actually the other thing I was looking at. So this isn't so much fresh shit, but it's tied to the same thing. 
uh, uh, the Aura Ring, O-U-R-A, is a ring that does all of that monitoring, but it's a ring. You don't have a big, dumb hmm. watch on your wrist. And apparently you get better heart rate information from your finger anyway, because there's less in the way of the, uh, the artery. And mm-hmm. I've been like, oh, that sounds dope. I want that. But uh, <laughs> such an old man. Yeah, cost uh. is kind of a thing. But I, I like I got a, a Fitbit for a day <laughs> this weekend. And I was like, this sucks. I, 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 it's not telling me anything. I basically get a lot of steps every time I pick up this bottle of Coke Zero and lift it to my mouth. Yeah. You know, here's mm. what you do. If you're so the main if you're the main purpose of the Apple Watch is it's not really a... I mean, I guess a lot of people use it as a fitness thing, but what it really is is a notifications filter. Mm-hmm. So you can basically say, all that shit that makes your, your phone vibrate, like, I only want this and this and this to go to my wrist. And it's pretty quick then that I'm able to completely ignore my phone vibrating and I only pay attention to when my wrist goes off, mm-hmm. which is super helpful. Yeah, I don't like the idea of an Apple Watch at all, just because it's like it's a lot of technology on a very small screen that's difficult to access. You know, it's like all I want is something to to track properly. So maybe you're right. Maybe I'll just stick with trying to find a Fitbit that works. Yeah, get correctly. the bigger one that looks like a watch and that actually does notifications. I don't know if you've got like if you're using the the one you borrow, like one of the little thin ones. Those ones are kind of lame. Yeah, that was it was a little thin one. And yeah. I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I've been doing a lot of like filling out surveys and stuff to get uh, gift cards. I've got like two hundred and thirty dollars worth of Target gift cards now, so <laughs> I can go fucking crazy on whatever I want. Well, this is uh, all I ask of you, Eric, is that if you're doing this sleep app thing uh, uh-huh. one night, slap on one or two nicotine patches and just <gasps> let it ride oh, and see what that yeah. does. Find, oh, find no. your baseline is what I'm saying. Fuck yeah. <laughs> find your baseline. Yeah. I think we, we, we discussed this pre-existence of podcasts, but so for the listener, uh, I've tr- in the past, I used to smoke and I was trying to quit and I used nicotine patches and they give you <laughs> insane, uh, uh, what's the word for fever dreams? There's some other great word for fever dreams. Uh, uh, uh yeah. Waking dream, bat shit. Intense. Yeah. In, yeah. Intense bat shit. Crazy. I had a like triple feature of bad shit crazy one night where it, in my dream I went okay that dream is over so you want to see some more shit here you go <laughs> and I woke up in a puddle of sweat and just like I think after, yeah, I, I, I think recommend after, it I after recommend that it. happened I think I was talking to you over the phone and this is not exactly what you told me but this is basically the flavor of the conversation you mm. uh you prefaced it with how you went to sleep with the nicotine patch and then you just described it as like having lived through a real life apocalypse now in your dream <laughs> <laughs> that's basically the vibe i got off of you you went to the heart of darkness and then cut off marlon brando's head that was pretty yeah. much <laughs> yeah just- it has a similar feeling that uh, of watching the movie and going shit when is this thing over already <laughs> oh I'm, somebody's I'm here going I'm wondering if I've been putting nicotine patches on myself this whole time and I'm just not aware of it. Wouldn't that be something? Suck. Wouldn't that yeah. be something? So, <laughs> well, yeah. give, it a, give it a shot. Maybe this will uh, take the edge off. I you mean, know? yeah. I mean, for entertainment purposes, that's a pretty cheap way to go. So yeah. try it. But that's what I got. <laughs> yeah. That's my fresh shit. So shall we jump into our topic? Which is... Why let's. Somewhat clickbaity, admittedly. 
uh, yeah, I was listening to music on my uh, iPhone, and I realized everything I like on there is something from the 90s that that band has nothing else I want to listen to. So <laughs> this week we're talking about the one-hit wonders of the 90s. Jumbo one-hit Wonder Wombas. Yeah, which is not easy to say. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Thanks well, for taking that bullet, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Weird, wild stuff. Um, I think I, I have a theory that, and you know, I, I'm going to rely on Brian to either back me up or shoot this down, but I have a feeling there are a lot of one-hit wonders in the 90s, not more than any other decade, but there were a lot because the music industry did this huge uh, just U-turn away from what you know we thought popular music was into the pre-punk sub-pop kind of you know the thing basically where where record executives had no idea what what was good anymore uh (laughs) and then napster came along and took the money out of a lot of it so having a you know having that many bands on contract wasn't something you could get away with well i think you're right in that it was a weird hodgepodge of musical genres that just sort of floated in and out of each other's sphere uh, over the decade because it was just it's it's a very psychotic decade as far as picking a flavor of music because it goes from like country to latin mm-hmm. to edm to punk to pop punk to grunge to whatever uh yeah. but as far as the napster napster thing uh that didn't really hit until mid 99 so i don't know if that's really a case yeah, for the, yeah, more the zeros yeah so yeah, that definitely like 2001 off. to 2003 maybe like and then all of a sudden it just yeah it's like someone just yanks the e-brake on the music industry yeah but i remember like 98 i was i was just filthy with with illegal downloads so i wasn't sure really when it started but i know for the longest time i wouldn't have a computer that was permanently online because i didn't want the riaa dialing into my machine (laughs) and telling me how how many years i was going to go to prison yeah the riaa will fuck you up eric well don't fuck with the riaa the the fun bit about that and i I think i brought it before but uh i think it was like 2000 2001 somebody made a a cartoon short that basically was metallica uh, oh no! Going after Napster going bad. after Napster. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Napster bad. If you can and find so, that, good luck. Yeah. Rock on, Metallica fans. We'll see you on tour this summer, and you Napster users, we'll see you in jail getting gang raped. Money good. Napster bad. This is now the second time we've dropped that on this fucking podcast. <laughs> it's because it's funny, even though it's no longer topical. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but yeah the important but, thing is that it's like guitar music but it's all midi and it's just like but but when Eric and for those of you who are too young to remember Metallica was this band and they <laughs> yeah. they made shitty 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 music after a career of making really good music yeah in the Dude, 90s I don't I don't even think millennials know what Napster is <laughs> yeah, no. yeah they don't even know what LimeWire is Damn. yeah there you go but but when Eric when you old. when you proposed this, I was sort of game because I'm like, oh yeah, totally fucking easy, uh, one hit wonders, no problem. And then you mm. go through and then start looking at bands that you were sure were one hit wonders, and then it turns out that they weren't. And that's the part that blew my mind in researching mm. this because Brian had thrown in stuff like Bloodhound Gang for the bad touch, but yeah. they also had the roof is on fire. I'm like, I could have right. sworn the bloodhound yeah. gang was a one hit wonder. God damn it. You know? So well, it was I like think, that sort of I thing. Think the, that's the thing though. I think the question also becomes what is a hit? 
You know, it's like, because I don't think the roof is on fire got, it didn't get played on the radio. Well, so maybe it's not technically well, a hit, but it was a popular song. It got, it got MTV and that, that's enough. Yeah. But I mean, here's the thing, right? Like most one hit wonders actually have more than one hit. And it's just that people forget about the other ones. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Well, I mean, they become like signature tunes. Uh, yeah. So it's, and, and, and we'll get to this, but one of the songs that I picked, uh, is, is probably the biggest one that they're known for, but they have other songs. So it's sort of like you kind of approach it from right. that, but most of them, so I probably want to break this down. What, That's a good what's question. Our approach here. Well, Eric, I don't know. Eric brought it I, up. My thinking was we would do top tens, but there's so much shit here. Uh, I I I, I I I I guess I feel like we can categorize a bit. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Do you want to? Well, do you want to start with our top three each, and then sort of yeah. branch out from there? That and way, pe- people get them now rather than have to sit through an entire uh, yeah BS sure. session. And, and we can play some clips. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, but I'm also trying oh, to get I'm trying to get the clips in early for Brian so that it's you know he's got an easy. Exit. Oh, from here on out, we're just going to be naming shit, and then I'm dropping. <laughs> yeah, clips, it's your right? favorite like, guy. I'm just going to list yeah. off a bunch of stuff, and then <laughs> talk about it tertiarily, and then maybe not, as long as we have something to say, I'm happy, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I tell you what, let's take the onus off of Brian having to drop clips where he doesn't. You know, like you don't have to do that. We're going to make a playlist of like everything here. Just look in the show description in the in the show notes. There's a link to the playlist. Um, you can find it there. You can listen. All right, so top threes, I guess. Top threes yeah. are good, I think, because uh, that's based solely on an arbitrary reasoning. That when Eric dropped this topic, I immediately thought of three songs and uh, right went from there. So and then all and, right, and as always, number one will be Michael Jackson's Thriller. <laughs> yeah, that goes without saying. <laughs> Even though it's not the '90s, uh, it's still matter. It's still the '90s. Okay, so uh, Brian, please go. Okay, uh, top three one hit. This this is actually tougher for me because I, I, they're kind of all on even keel. But and to be perfectly honest, one of my top three is probably on one of your other guys's lists. So just, I'm gonna pull the top three from the ones that you guys didn't already snag. Okay, um, and then we can come back and you can tell <laughs> us which ones crossed over. How's that? Yeah. All right. So my number three. We'll kick it off with D-Light, Groove is in the Heart. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. This, to me, is emblematic of a lot of the fun sort of trip-hop, early 90s, sample-based, you know, groove um funky music that was going on and it's just it's just a party song right yeah yeah and that's that's right at the beginning of the decade too 1990 so it really set the tone for all of the crazy party music that we were going to get at some point yeah well the thing about the 90s and it's going to be interesting to see how the 90s nostalgia pans out is it was really sample heavy and they didn't all necessarily have the rights to the samples they were using yeah and yeah. And so I don't know how '90s nostalgia is going to go, but grooving the is in the heart. I probably cleared the samples on this one because they're so like well, obnoxiously there. All I know is you can't hear it and not shake your groove thing. That's really all there is to it. 
It's an immensely hooky, <laughs> dancey song. Even when you're a dude like me that can't dance for shit, you're still gonna yeah gonna shake the groove thing. It uh, makes yeah. you want to move, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's a good it's a good song that you can just throw on, and it's gonna get people on the dance floor regardless. Yeah. So yeah. So my number two, um, my number two is kind of a placeholder here. Because the one I really wanted to use was not from the 90s, as it turned out. I really wanted to go with The Crystal Methods, The Name of the Game, uh, which is just a fantastic example of the big beat sound. Crystal Method did have their big album, Vegas, in the 90s, but I think that my uh, representative of big beat here has got to go to the Chemical Brothers block rockin' beats. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good album. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I bought it. I listened to it. Uh, it's got some block rocking beats. You're not rock your block. They're not lying when they say that. Yeah, I just I'm a big fan of of big ass drum sounds, and <laughs> this this song has got them in spades. Yeah, uh, I I like it. Have you heard their uh, their follow up one? Uh, I guess it was maybe 2000 2001, the one with uh, Let Forever Be on it. Uh, I think it's called uh, Surrender. You know, I think I, I think I did listen to it once, but it's okay. been forever. Okay. That was a sidebar. Continue. I mean, I don't even know if the Chemical Brothers count as one-hit wonders, honestly. Um, but this is the one that I'm aware of. So They were also known as the Dust Brothers, and they've done a lot of, you know, they've done soundtrack work. Um, my club. number one. Go ahead. The Chemical Brothers are also the Dust Brothers? Yeah. Really? Because... They did, they're the ones that did the Fight Club soundtrack. Yeah. That's crazy. I did not know that. Learn something new every day. And then my number one, and again, I believe we're in early 90s here. Um, again, does this count as a one-hit wonder? And is this even the hit? I'm not entirely sure, but... I have to give it up for PJ Harvey's 50 Foot Queen. That's a great song. This song just kicks you in the nuts so hard. And it made kills. I, I knew a lot of a lot of women who were big PJ Harvey fans, and I I bought that that album of hers, and I was like, oh yeah, I love this song. I wish any of her other songs were this good. <laughs> yeah, that that chorus where she's just, hey, I'm the king of the world, right? Yeah, and the, and the just drums are just out of the boom, gate, boom, you know, and just killing, right? Yeah. The, the song is just an assault, and then you know, as the rest of that album, rid of me goes you know she pulls it way back you know so the this album has a lot of like extreme dynamic it's real quiet the song starts out real quiet with just a little on the guitar and then just slams to full blast and then pulls it back and it's ah yeah it's, yeah well it's in, only, it's a short song but it just well kicks in, ass. in looking at the wikipedia which as we all know is totally accurate all the time uh yes the, the home of truth the chart position for 50 foot queenie is specious at best uh it looks like it peaked uh in the uk at number 27 and in australia at 179 but failed to chart anywhere in the u.s 
Again, it got a lot of MTV though. Yeah. So, so that's got to count for it's, something. It's, it's yeah, it's checkered. I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, but yeah, PJ Harvey's one of those. Was there a ones. bigger hit for PJ Harvey? Uh, her biggest hit in the states was a song called "Down by the Water." Apparently. Oh right, yeah, that was that. Uh, okay, so she. I feel like I'm losing by default here. That's not even a one-hit wonder. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but it illustrates how difficult this task can be. Uh, yeah, because it's you know you're also, you're, you're sure I, and you're not. Yeah, you know I think there is something I found just just inherently difficult about the term one-hit wonder. No matter what you're doing, because you know even if a band only has one hit, being that dismissive about anything else they've done is. It's kind of a, it, it's not correct. Like Devo, every time anyone plays Devo in a, in a movie, right. they play fucking Whip It. And it's yeah. like, no, they are geniuses. They've got a ton of shit. But no, no, I'm sorry. They're the Whip It band. Well, that's well, the, and, that, and that's a great example of what I mean when I say that one hit wonders really aren't, right? Devo mm-hmm. had several hits. Through Being yeah. Cool, yeah. you know, Beautiful World. Uh, these are hits. Well, you can get into weird uh, semantics on it, though, and just suggest that perhaps it's uh, signature tunes that overshadow everything in their other catalog. Uh, so by default, they sort of just fall under that umbrella of one hit wonder. Yeah, I yeah. think I think when we say like hit, we have to actually mean it's something everybody knows, not just because like at the same time, Devo has this one hit. They have a lot of songs, but yeah. nobody's familiar with all their songs. It basically, just right. it basically boils down to if they're ever doing a reunion tour, uh, what's the one song that everybody's going to expect them to play? That's pretty much yeah. the song. So I think uh, was it uh, David Spade had a joke uh, about Laura Branigan. Yeah, she's playing a concert. She ought to start uh, that concert with Gloria, and she ought to end it with Gloria, and she ought to play it a few <laughs> times in the middle. Uh, All right. So uh, who's next? This is some good top threes there, Brian. Yeah. Uh, you go, sir. I'll go, Chris. Uh, so number three, uh, I chose Harvey Danger's Flagpole Sitta. Love that song. Uh, I to put so it on my good. List. I mean, it's it's number three on my list, but it's probably of all the songs I selected the most emblematic of what I think '90s music is, uh, at least as a Gen Xer, because it's a, it's a song that basically is just a poke in the eye to the whole grunge seattle whatever new fad music scene is uh it is it's just so ridiculous uh with its insults uh but in a really backhanded sort of way uh it's one of those songs too where like everybody knows it from a certain point yeah right everybody wants to sing along like and then all of a sudden the whole audience go oh here it comes here it comes That's yeah. where the audience will kick in. Uh, but yeah, it's just it, it paints a very vivid picture of a disaffected crowd, uh, which is funny because it's a very driving, repetitious beat. It's a really fun one. Get your body pumping uh, if you're at and a show. Angry. And it's really I fucking angry. It was an intensely angry yeah. song. And, oh, yeah. It's, which is why I didn't understand how it wound up on the soundtrack <laughs> for American Pie. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Uh, but, well, it's, but it picks up, it's got, I mean, 
it it's got a Green Day vibe to it, right? Like a the bit. way it's mixed, the way it's played, dunga dunga dun dun dunga. Right, like that's a very yeah. Green Day kind of jangly, um, Walmart punkish kind of sound at that yeah. point. Yeah, it's got a totally Billy Joel. Uh, guitar solo in that it's you know bow bow yeah. bow 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 it's, it's like it's not yeah, really it's, difficult yeah. but it sounds good it's deceptively green day looms simple. large over this rest of this episode of the podcast we're not I gonna so. actually be doing green day but man is their their influence felt in a lot of this yeah uh so this one just did i remember like 97 or whenever it came out uh it it took off like a rocket and it just it just hooked me every time i hear it on the radio i can't turn it off so that's always a good one. No, it's uh, fantastic. Uh, mm. the, the Harvey num- Danger also does a great cover of Save It For Later by the English Beat, but really? it wasn't a hit. Interesting. Yeah, check it out. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to. Uh, number two for me is also a late 90s one. I think it came out like 98-ish, 99-ish. Uh, but it's The Flies, a song called Got You Where I Want You. And this was most notable for being on the soundtrack to the Katie Holmes movie Disturbing Behavior which I think is where it got most of its catapult. Uh, but it's another one of these like Harvey Danger where it's just this sort of uh, driving beat, fairly static through most of it. But the chorus is just the most memorable thing. It just earworms its way into your brain. And you just you can't not hum along. It's the weirdest thing. When I when I heard it the first time, I'm like, oh, it's, that's a decent song. And then over the course of a couple of months, when it was on radio play, it just became this massive thing. I'm like, this is earworm and a half because every time it's on, so, I have to listen to it now. It's like crap. I'm kind of looking forward to editing this episode because, in all seriousness, I didn't listen to all these tracks when I read the the list that everybody put up on on the the drive. I don't remember the song. So I'm going to play it right now. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, now I remember yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel foolish now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it's also it just, I've never seen the band live because they probably broke up right after this thing went gangbusters, as mostly happens. Uh, but it's a very sing-alongable, if I can use that stupid phrasing, uh, <laughs> chorus. So I imagine at a live show, people would just get drunk and spew that at the stage uh so it's fun but it's also very emblematic of the later 90s sort of disaffected feel uh which is why i went for a change of pace i found the one song that i i just i think 90s and again it's late 90s but fuck it uh but the song steal my sunshine by len that's your number one? That's number wow. one because that to me Karen, just that's I love you. <laughs> that just more than more than American Hi Fi? American Hi Fi was uh, like Brimful of Asha? Well I Brimful mean, of Asha uh, that's on my top ten, but no, that one only Brimful works <laughs> yeah. That one only works if it's the Norman Cook remix. Because the the original uh, I've got the Fat Boy, Fat Boy Slim. Yeah, that's really yeah, good. that's Norman Cook is Fat Boy Slim. Oh, okay. Wait, so make okay, make justify your shit. Uh, Len steal my sunshine. Number one, one hit one of the nineties. Explain yourself. Uh, because that when I hear it on the radio, I know exactly where it's from, 
I know exactly what I was doing and when I was doing it, when I heard it. And it's so ubiquitous. This is like, uh, you know, Tony Basil for the 90s. It's just, they don't have any other songs at all. Zero. This is the only thing they've got. And they are no longer around because obviously they've only got one hit. And the the fact that they stole their entire backbeat from a, a disco hit from the 70s called More, More, More by the Andrea True sure. Connection. And it's just this simple loop, but it again, it's just this massive earwork wig. It's like, For it's those like, of you who are too young to know who Johnny Carson is, Andrea True was a porn star who did a disco <laughs> record. <laughs> for under the label the Andrea True Connection. Yeah, thank and you. It, Continue. It's more, more, more is the name of the song. But and and it's like if you listen to that song, I literally the part that they sample is near the end, and it's just this really short break that is not anything to do with the song itself, uh, as far as the, the lyrics or the melody. It's just this weird break, and they took it and they made that through the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and it somehow works, and so they got some airplay because they they put it on the movie soundtrack for Go, uh, which gave it another life of its own. But it's just one of those when I hear it, I'm like, I don't, I I should not feel happy when I hear this song, uh, but for some reason when it comes on, that just like melts everything that's irritating me for that like two and a half minutes. It's the weirdest thing, and I don't fucking know how to explain it. But that's just how that song, of all the songs that I picked, so, that's the one where I'm like, all right, this is like two minutes I can zone out and be in some weird, fucked up, happy place for like just two minutes. And then suddenly it's like, oh, it's over. Okay. And so I think what you're saying, are, for those of you who are too young to know, Go is a movie that explains why your parents loved <laughs> ecstasy so yeah, much. Basically, yeah. It is a great film yeah. and it's, it's a great reason to get high. Uh, Those so, of you who don't know, Ecstasy is now called Molly. Yeah. But anyway, um, and I just and I just I realized think what you're that, saying, Chris, is it's a trip. It's got a funky beat, and you can bug out to it. Exactly. That, okay. If you, uh, if uh, you follow, and I would also like to note that uh, Len and the Flies were both featured in soundtracks to Katie Holmes movies. So I'm guessing there's a weird subliminal connection there now that I'm looking at. So there's it. like Scientology <laughs> connection, is what you're really <laughs> basically. Okay. I'm really um, freaked out now, man. I, I the, the lead singer, the male singer of Len. Sounds like he's trying really hard to impersonate the whiny guy from Blink One Eighty Two. Is it just me? No, it's there. Okay. But they're they're fucking okay. Canadians, so you know who cares? Uh, <laughs> they're so chill. Okay, <laughs> but but it's yeah, it's a brother sister team. But the and if you scrutinize the song with any degree, uh, it just falls apart because the lyrics don't make any goddamn sense. Because he basically wrote it about like an eight hour party rave that he was drugged out at or something we're gonna get to the rest of chris's list he has some major heavy hitters from the 90s on his list yeah and somehow len steal my sunshine is at the top yeah, that yeah. Is a, i'm a god thing it's a it's a totally arbitrary designation i will say that uh but yeah that's just my thing all right let's, okay. let's hear eric's arbitrary top three yeah all right my top three uh uh first this one i actually really it is in my head the soundtrack to the 90s uh Space Hog in the meantime. It seems like that oh, was playing yeah. everywhere, like at the most important times. Yeah. I just I love that song. It's catchy, but 
it really feels like I don't know that that time. I'm so jealous of this guy's falsetto. He just soars at the beginning right? of the song. Yeah, I'm oh. not. I'm not convinced that's him. I think that's <laughs> like there some bass player who just jumps it because then he goes right into. It's like Elvis. Yeah. He's going from Vienna Boys Choir to Elvis. It did chart. Um, it did peak at like number one uh, on the U.S. main chart. So yeah, uh, definitely their and only big hit. Yeah, I don't think Space Hog. I couldn't no. name any other Space the, Hog song. The, no. the 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 only the only other thing they're famous for is their bass player was married to Liv Tyler. That's it. Oh, that's right. That's right. And then uh, the that. number two is similarly a sort of '90s anthem, but in a completely different direction because where that song was really sort of light, this one is black as hell. Uh, Toadie's Possum Kingdom. Yeah. Which is so fucking it's like, awesome. It's basically a, a serenade from a serial killer. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, and, and, and when you hear it, you're like, is he singing about date rape? What the hell's going on? I thought he was singing about murder. Well, yeah, because- but it's it's very dark and, and strange. But yeah. it's got that, that driving hook that makes it all okay. It's very weird. Yeah. And, and you, you also don't like this person. I think that's the thing. If you have a song about date rape, you... You better have a point of view that's correct, you know? <laughs> you can't have a pro date rate. This one is, this guy is a fucking lunatic, and he is not a good person. Yeah. Uh, but it also, you know, it's just got intense Stone Roses-sized balls. Um, I love this song. <laughs> yeah. And the the third one, God, this was a tough toss-up, because I wanted to go with Low Fidelity All-Stars. I fucking love that song. I love that song so much. But you have to every do time the- it comes on. I want to. I I, I want to rob a bank yeah. every time that that song comes on. I'm like, all right, the plan is in place. Yeah. Let's go. Well, you have to play the Pigeonhead mix though. So that's here's, that's the, here's the, the thing, big driver. right? Like I there's I I struggle to decide if I like the radio edit or the uncensored version of that, right? Because it's. On the one hand, it's tell me is it time to get down on your motherfucking knees, right? But but yeah. when they do the radio edit, they stutter and it's like on your knees, and I yeah. kind of like oh, that better. Good point. <laughs> it's fun. That is a good point. Yeah. No, I remember when that would come on, uh, you would always turn up the radio. Uh, and I, that yeah. was, I was working at uh, Barnes & Noble when I got like a, like a free sample disc or something uh, of that album. And 
I found that song, and then anytime it came on, I would, I mean, I would shake the windows because I would just turn it up to like 11, <laughs> and that was really the only song on that whole album that I would do that for. Uh, but my neighbors probably wanted to kill me. But it isn't actually my number one. Like I said, it's a tie for yeah. number one. The other one I have less to say about, but it is still to me the best. Um, snap the power. Oh yeah, I fucking <laughs> love that song. I, I, uh, Another one where there's a ton of versions of the song. Yeah, but and also in a ton of movies. Yeah. I, I discovered it in uh, The Fisher King. Yeah, exactly. And then it showed up in Bruce Almighty. What's funny is I remember when The Fisher King came out and Eric went out and bought the soundtrack. And this is like the, during the brief six months that we were actually roommates in an apartment. And like that song was always on. It was so irritating after a while, but it's such a fun song. <laughs> and and that's the thing. I wouldn't like hum the song. I would I would walk around going ting ting ta ting tong ting ta ting tong ting ting ta ting tong ting ta ting tong. Yeah. The CNC Music Factory came out in the 89, and I think they wish they had done this, because this would be, like, an ideal CNC, but it's Snap. Yeah. It's not CNC Music Factory. Apparently, they were, like, a a German duo dance outfit, and the original version had a bunch of samples that they couldn't clear in the States, so they actually had to re-record the whole thing to do with their U.S. album. Yeah, don't do this, don't do that, change your lyrics, everybody's a critic. Yeah. That's crazy. It's getting... It's getting kind of hectic. So, boom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, those are those are our top nine and a half. <laughs> yeah. Good uh, job, fellas. Uh, yeah. But the rest is, uh, it's it's almost gravy. I mean, there's a few stinkers I'm, in the bunch. I, no, will, I picked I say, a few. I picked a few that honestly I felt had to be mentioned, but I don't like like the the okay. titular Chumbawamba. <laughs> Okay, so these are these are the obligatory ones. Like, I think yeah, this like is the like heavy hitter obligatory ones. Yeah, Number it's one. like like if you're yeah. uh, if you're looking back at the decade just as someone who's never really lived in the decade, then yeah, that's yeah. gonna be up that's- towards the top. That was a bunch of daft cunts who wanted some of that Oasis magic to rub off on them. Well, it's like there's some sort of anti-government collective, and then yeah, they decided they're, they're that like the best way... Hugely to... anti-capitalist. Yeah. yeah. So the best way to get their message out was to sign with the man and then make the most danceable fucking populist hit ever, mm-hmm. uh, and then piss it all away on the next album, which was like a noise collage or something. It's just like a giant <laughs> fuck you. It's like, all right, we did it. We hit number one. Uh, it's, a, it's such a monster chorus, though. Yeah. Like It's instantaneously memorable. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's yeah. an earwig. That's what most of these are, I think, have going for them. They're just earworms, for sure. Yeah. All uh, right. What else is uh, obligatory oh, and, here? And Hanson Mbop. You know, that's yeah, fuck you for bringing yeah. up Umbop. But no yeah. one wants to hear that. But it's it is the you know another one of those like ultimately '90s songs. And Hanson was huge for yeah. only having one song. Yeah, and those the, guys, all of their voices changed, and they still perform Umbop. They just had to transpose it down now, right? <laughs>
All I know is my my favorite thing to come out of the whole Hanson phenomena is that somebody had the sense to create a t-shirt that said, I fuck the girl in Hanson. (laughs) (laughs) So, bravo. For those of you who are too young to remember Hanson, they're all boys. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) With long flowing hair. They're very pretty. Yeah. (laughs) They're like a white Jackson 5, only three. There's three of them, and they're from Oklahoma. Uh, So, yeah. All right. Other obligatory uh, stuff from my list. I mean, we gotta, and I don't even like begrudge this one. This is a goddamn classic, and pretty much everybody listening to anything probably could sing along with Baby Got Back right yeah. now. I like big butts, and I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny. And when a girl walks in with an itty bitty waist and a round thing in your face, you get sprung. Wanna pull up tough, cause you notice that butt was stuck. Deep in the jeans she's wearing. I'm hooked, and I can't stop staring. And, that, and this gets into gray territory, too, because is it a signature tune or is it a one-hit wonder tune? It's very weird. I can't think of a whole lot of Sir Mix-A-Lot songs. Yeah, exactly. But I'm sure there's something out there, right? There has to be. Probably, but I, I couldn't tell you what it is. Yeah. All I know is the beginning of that song cracks me up every time because it's the two girls oh my god Becca. <laughs> they do the whole thing to set it up awesome ah, good video um, too and Chris you had you had some big romper stompers on your list that we might as well kill off uh, my favorite of the ones that I chose was Four Non Blondes What's Up Oh, uh, oh, I hate that song. I know, but I I've put it always on the hated this song. To write like every pop song I actually like, when she started with, uh, like, what did Dennis Leary describe this song as? Basically, what you hear from that chick on the Upper East Side at three in the morning on yeah. a Saturday, like walking around drunk, going. Hey! Yeah, that's why I put it so, on the list because I don't like the song, but it makes me oh. laugh every time I hear it because you get to the chorus and it's just so mockable. I said, hey, hey, what's going on? Yeah. If I wanted to criticize like that whole fashion trend of the sort of like 60s influenced, but with the Dr. Seuss hats and all that shit from the early 90s. <laughs> exactly. And if I wanted to like make fun of them, I couldn't do a better parody than the actual video for What's Up. Yeah. yeah. It's just. Yeah, it's like she uh, video shoot after the costume party where she went to Slash. Yeah. It's just to me, it's very emblematic of some of the things that didn't quite go right. <laughs> With the decade, but still managed to be popular. You know what I mean? So, emblematic of things that didn't go right. I want that shirt. I need that shirt. I fuck the girl in Hanson. So yeah. So that that's the one. And when it comes on the radio, I just mock it incessantly. Um, It was sung by He Man, I believe. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But. But then the other one, and this is the one that reminds me of Eric, and it's just on the list because it was such a monster hit, but nobody's going to know anything else by these guys, but uh, I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred. Oh, God. I'm too sexy for my love, too sexy for my love, love's going to leave me. 
for for a hot minute. That thing was huge, and that was again when I was living with Eric, <laughs> and it was my theme song. Yeah, yeah. I love like, this song. It's such a guilty pleasure. Yeah. it's hilarious. I I got to and my okay. I I got to I had the cassette single, uh, a single, and I, I had it in my car all the time, listening to "I'm Too Sexy," walking around believing it. And I, 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 I was eating. I was in my car, and I was eating pizza, and I had like stringy cheese hanging out of my like my my you know because I'm gross. Your, your and I'm hole. eating, and I'm singing. I'm too sexy. While I've got all this cheese hanging out of my mouth, <laughs> and I look to my left, and uh, there's these two girls in like a Volkswagen Cabriolet looking at me and like laughing, smiling, not like smiling like hi, but laughing, smiling like <laughs> what. A- douche and so i just keep like popping my head to the song i cock my eyebrows and i kind of whip my cheese drippings to the side like yeah i i'm eating pizza and i'm sexy and because i wasn't humiliated they they immediately started frowning yeah that's that's my memory of that song you gotta commit to your embarrassment i i I always respected that about you eric you what you you when someone catches you with your pants down, you just shake that shit all over the place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, and, and as far as the what Eric just told us, that is pretty much to a T why Right Said Fred had a hit with I'm Too Sexy. You know what I mean? It's just, it gives you an inflated self of ego. Right. Uh, <laughs> and you can't it's- shake it. It's like why? Why not think that you're the best thing in the world? Yeah. What, what exactly do you lose from uh, saying you're awesome? Yeah, exactly. I, I do wonder that. In all seriously, in all seriousness, why we live in such a uh, an S and M culture that we only respect pain? You know, because life is pain. No. Well, if I'm if I'm listening to rap music, it's pretty much all boasting, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Just why not? Unless you're that whole Beastie Boys concert, every one of their songs is well. I mean, other than just wacky rhymes, is yeah. is you know boasting. Um, I w- I want to actually. We've got a couple of other rap tunes on this list. Might as well uh, knock them out. Yeah. Um, Marky Mark and the Funkai Bunch. Uh, <laughs> that is so funny that he is now own he owns Hollywood and could have prevented nine eleven. I think that is just so amazing. Yeah. You do know he could have prevented 9-11. Right? How could Marky Mark have prevented 9-11, Eric? He was on the Stern show, and they were they, 9-11 came up, and he said, I could have stopped that. If I was on one of the planes, I could have stopped him. Oh, Which, Jesus Which, of course, Christ. everyone immediately was like, oh, really? And that's because all the people who were on the planes were such jack-offs? Is that what you're trying to say? Get and he had to walk it Marky back. Mark. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It's another another CNC Music Factory in influence song, yeah. right? It's like it's, the- it's not a, a far stretch from a dude dancing in his underwear uh, to that. Yeah, let's mm. be real. And he got the job because his brother was in a really big band. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> his brother was Marky Mark's brother. New kids on the block. Used to be uh, 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 what is his name? Donnie Wahlberg? Yeah. yeah. Donnie Wahlberg from New Mark Kids on the Block. used to be Donnie Wahlberg's brother. It was the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So I, I struggled with my rap pick other than Baby Got Back, but I'm going to land on because I, I don't know the words. Nobody knows the words, but everybody wants to sing along with Snow doing Informer. Informer. I love that song. I love that song. 
A fellow Canadian being Eminem first. I love it. Which is funny because that white guy with a Jamaican accent. Yeah. 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 That song was literally on the radio driving home the other day, and I will admit that I turned it up. Because you can't help. It's awesome. And you can't. You don't know the lyrics. He could be saying anything. He could be mocking everybody. He could be singing a different song every night. Nobody would care. Yeah. And he'll lick your boom boom down. Apparently. Wow. And isn't that what's important? Some days. Some days. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, we're starting to, we're starting to get a little bit long. Um, we're getting silly. I, yeah. Oh, in you closing, did have one of the I just wanna, Yeah. And wait, in closing, I just, I want to say hobo hump and slowbo, babe. Yes. Is- <laughs> yes. an amazing song it was a hit for them they had nothing else maybe in denmark or wherever the fuck they're sweden wherever they're from but this song was like amazingly just i don't know it was thrash uh it was everything the chili peppers wished they were and aren't yeah most of the people (laughs) listening to this aren't gonna know who age of chance are but this is sort of like if age of chance got a girl singer and then made a pop song. That's what huh. it sounds like to me. I mean, it's just I'm, so I'm crazy. okay with that. Yeah. But <laughs> this, like, Eric, you had the, the single for uh, <laughs> for Right Said Fred. I literally had the single for this song, and I <laughs> cranked this in my car 24-7 for, like, two months. I cannot yeah. undersell how much this got into my brain, and I was so mad when I saw it on your list. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm like, I wanted this one, damn it. I love That's- this when driving, you know, and, and somebody fucks you up. You put this song on and you start screaming and then a complete stranger, you hobo fucking hobo, man, get off, <laughs> yeah, get off, yeah. get off my bed. Yeah. It's a party song, man. It's good. It's awesome. Well, Chris, you had, I, I, I think, I think we have to at least make mention of, if I was going to pick, like, just come up to somebody randomly, like, name a song from the 90s. If I, I bet you 50% of the people would probably actually come up with Blind Melon's fucking No Rain. Probably. Um, the B-Girl that, song. That's how they would die. I hate that song. inescapable. <laughs> yeah. So awful. It's, uh, I put it on the list because it came out at a time where it just sort of worked, but I don't want to listen to it ever yeah. again. I mean, it's, it was so ubiquitous at that moment in time. Uh, but, yeah, I hear it now, and I'm like, oh, God, just put a gun in my mouth. I can't believe I even like this thing. It's I don't know what happened to change that, but, yeah, it's so, mm, 
but it is very much yeah this is a 90s song uh and then like three years later the guy died from a cocaine overdose so sadly we won't ever get a reunion show i understand the b-girl's hot now i don't know maybe (laughs) maybe there's a good chance uh i just wanted to say that uh Shame on you, Brian, for choosing Cumbersome by Seven Mary Three. <laughs> I fucking hate that song so much. I hate it. Ah, here we go. Cumbersome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It literally sounds like every song that Eric mocks when he tries to make fun of songs. <laughs> that it's yeah, it's that uh, uh, that Creed thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, and I could have sworn that was puddle of mud, egg on my face. Does it yeah. really matter? No, it, it does doesn't. not. It does not. As I pointed out, they're indistinguishable from Three Doors Down. Is it Seven Mary Three? Is it Three Doors Down? Does anybody yeah. care? Nobody so. gives three shits. That's where we. <laughs> but are. that yeah, but that's why I wanted to thank you for putting on a list because that is one of those where it's just of a very specific genre that it really doesn't matter what song you would have picked. <laughs> it would have worked. It, you know what I mean? The only thing is, it makes me sad to think we won't be alive to listen to the kids today be our age and try and explain 30 seconds to Mars. Oh. <laughs> you know? Everybody's got shit. That's all I'm saying. I feel like you just punched me in the balls, Eric. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I kind of like 30 seconds to Mars. Oh. I, uh, yeah. Maybe. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> now you punched me in the balls. Thanks. Now I'm in it. Well, I think as we've shown, because uh, time is running short, that uh, we are by no means even scratching the surface of this sort of topic there are so many more that we could address uh that would be perfect yeah. but in the and interest of time uh yeah. we can't i just want to i want to point out to anyone who's listening uh if you've got uh, uh another way we could lay out this type of show i'd love to hear it uh because there's there's one hit wonders wonders for every decade um i i'd like to do the zeros next I think, yeah, yeah, I think that's got to get done. Uh, go there. If you've got a better way for us to uh, talk about this kind of music or some other angle, I want to hear from you. Uh, write us at magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter. You can you can write us a message and we will respond. Uh, we're Mag Huge. We're on the Facebooks as Magnificently Huge. Uh, we're all over the place. It's magnificently huge. Yeah. But particularly if you're listening to this on whatever you're using, you help us a lot if you give us a five-star review on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever. It doesn't cost you anything. Uh, you know, you'd be helping us out. We would appreciate Eric, it. Here's what I want to know. Mm-hmm. Do you know who you want to take you home? <laughs> uh, take me home. <laughs> <laughs>